0: And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Mm. If you want to stretch this out even longer, I can do a Aaron drink update where I reveal what I'm drinking on this episode of the podcast. Yeah, what you sipping, sir? I am drinking a Cavita Master Brew Kombucha. This is a tart cherry oh, flavor. Um, yeah, I'm back drinking the booch. Back, back on the booch. Uh, back. You know what? I tried to get off the booch wagon the and I'm, I'm back My on My favorite ACDC. Nice. Uh,
1: yeah, Gosh, I'm thinking it's booch. It's booch time. Anyway. Are we done? I think we've rung out the booch. I think we're. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's, yeah, we're done with that. Is that the whole drink update? Capitalized on the I mean, I'm that's all I'm drinking, a, yeah. I'm drinking a classic Coca Cola original taste. Delicious and wow. refreshing. A, a Coca Cola Classic or just a Coca
0: Cola, which is? Classic. It says
1: Coca Cola Original Taste, so maybe okay. that means Classic. <laughs> think...
0: Coca Cola Classic is the one that has the cane sugar, right? It's like the it's like oh, the um, the Mountain White mm-hmm. Mexican
1: mm-hmm. Coke, like with bottles. They call yeah. that a Mexican Coke because it's got sugar cane. Man, those are yeah. tasty. I wish I had one of those. Real good. Yeah, the Trilon has those. Hey, gotta check out, check out the Trilon. They got bottles of Coke. Where is this? Oh, uh, it's just it's a little theater. You wouldn't know it. Mm. Uh, but I would know,
2: whatever. This is Trilon, a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we nope. saw or people we met at the Trilon Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota, on Weapolis, Minnesota. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Trilon Podcast. You can find the Trilon at Trilon Cinema and at Trilon.org where you can get tickets to showings like directorial series, like the one that we're closing out today uh, of Eric Romare's films from the 1980s. Did I say this is true? You why why, are, you, why are you playing
0: backseat? At, you said, why this are you is backseat tri- I'm under? letting Just you know, mark
2: down the time. I'm not marking down anything. I don't well, even well, know what I, I'm saying next. Yeah, continue.
3: My I name is Jason Daphnis.
2: My name is Jason Daphnis. You know how I am, and you can find me on Twitter at NintendoFus.
3: Dang, our last episode uh, about a movie of the year, and the energy is already off the rails. Um, you love to hear it. I'm Cody Narvison. I'm a plant. And you can find me on Twitter at Cody BH.
1: If I had something to show, people would have seen it by now. I'm Harry Mackin, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry or at Try Love, the local mu- movie theater.
0: Uh, my name's Aaron, but you can call me Delphine as all I see is green. You can find me on Twitter at RB, please. Yo! Wow. Thank wow, really, really not bad.
2: Yeah, you're still a shithead, but that was pretty funny. Uh, this is the final episode in our series about Eric Romare's 1980s. Uh, his comedies and proverbs series has been playing at the Trylon. This is about the Green Ray. Aaron, tell us what this movie is really about. Yes, and you're the really green long, ray. and you prepped us. I should say, listener, no. <laughs> Aaron actually he oh, never no. preps us for how long these things are going to be. He prepped us that this is going to be a long one. End I quote.
0: I, well, I feel like we've, there's been kind of this journey that we've gone on where at the, the start, when we first started doing the podcast, the joke was that I rambled on too much. Then I pared that down out of embarrassment and shame and abuse from my, my co-hosts. Uh, now now I'm I back like to just a not, long not, ass intro. Not
2: enough, apparently. We could really start <laughs> ragging on you harder.
0: We didn't go yes. hard enough, right? Certainly. We're, we're talking about The Green Ray, 1986 film directed by Eric Romer, based on, but not a direct adaptation of the Jules Verne novel of the same name. Uh, It is the fifth film in Romer's Comedies and Proverbs series, in which each film is accompanied by a proverb that ties in closely to the themes and the events of each movie. Uh, We have covered two other films in the series so far, The Aviator's Wife, Boyfriends and Girlfriends. Again, if you didn't uh, see those films or listen to those episodes, do go check them out. Uh, The proverb for this film is a phrase from Rimbaud, uh, which is, Oh, may the time come when hearts fall in love. Uh, The Green Ray was critically acclaimed on release. It won the Golden Lion, uh, as well as the Fipressi, which I guess is an acronym, but it's the Fipressi prize, uh, won both those at the Venice Film Festival. Uh, You may be asking, well, Aaron, what is the film about? Uh, But in order to answer that, we must first talk about a different subject, if I may, fellas, Uh, can we talk about vacation and holiday culture in France? Somebody needs to. It's gone on long long enough, I
1: think. We're We're past overdue. We really have to... Somebody's got to take this down. The listeners
2: have been clamoring, so I feel like it's time.
1: Did you hear oh, that? There was no, like a Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. This is your show, Aaron. Please proceed. Now continue. Now continue. I was going to say, at one point during this movie, there's like a there's like a nice working class guy who says something about how he doesn't get two months vacation a year as the right. the thing that he did, and and that was supposed to be like draconian. It was supposed to be Dickensian. <laughs> the the idea that this guy doesn't get to spend two months of (laughs) his year on vacation. I was, I That's was a great point, Harry. Down. In the
0: United States, federal law does not require that employees offer vacation time to their employees. Actually, taken from the Department of Labor website, and I quote here, uh, the Fair Labor Standards Act, the FLSA, which is a side note, is the, the act that uh, uh, requires uh, uh, certain employees to get overtime pay, as well as uh, establishes the minimum wage in the United States, that very paltry should be raised minimum wage. Uh, and, and I quote, it does not require payment for time not worked, such as vacations sick leave, or federal or other holidays. These benefits are matters of agreement between an employer and an employee or the employee's representative. Uh, Unlike in the U.S., however, France France has quite a different system. Um, There's a a, a website for a company that, that kind of helps uh, employees kind of uh, hire uh, overseas workers in Europe, and there's a page specifically uh, about France. I'm not going to reference the actual company because they don't they don't sponsor us, uh, but they they say uh, that France has one of the most generous annual leave entitlements in the world, something employers will have to plan around you uh, as the employee uh, or the employer should be prepared to be without your French employees for up to seven weeks during the year due to statutory what? entitlements. That's right. Uh, so what? In addition to those statutory annual leave days, employees are also entitled to something called RTT days, uh, which translated as uh, the reduction of working time. Uh, The government policy behind this is that employees should not work more than 218 days per year. So a calculation is used to arrive at these number of days because each year, right, uh, the number of uh, days, it kind of varies based on public holidays in France. Um, So any day that exceeds the 218-day maximum would be added to the 25 annual leave days, which usually uh, adds up to an additional 10 days, right? So if you're doing the math on 35 days of leave, kind of on average, uh, not working on the weekends things like that. Yeah, you're not seeing uh, these French employees for uh, anywhere from like a month at minimum to two months, sometimes even up to like nine weeks total, right? Um, This has created quite a culture uh, in France of kind of vacationing and taking holidays, kind of what you might see around Christmas time in the United States, but like taken to like a, an even more, I guess, to us, absurd degree, right? Um, hey,
1: hey! As a fun fact, I took yeah. two days off for the holidays this year. Um, really looking forward to it. Gonna <laughs> hang out with my sister at her house. It's it's about a mile from my apartment. Um, but yeah, She's I got go I got two days off. It's gonna be great. Yeah, we're gonna play video games. I might sleep in a little bit. I'm really looking forward to it. Harry, if you move to France, you might uh, get the uh, opportunity to consider
0: yourself in one of two groups, right? There is the – sorry for the pronunciation here, but there is the uh and the Oceans. These are two groups of people that – What was that first one? Julietestes, I believe. Julia Julietestes. <laughs> it's on the record. Julietestes. uh Fuck, fuck you guys, but these are the groups of people that prefer to vacation in July versus preferring to vacation in August. Uh, August is the more heavy there vacation factions.
1: There are factions of vacationing there, there people. There is a
0: culture war brewing in France that's like a big deal uh, about whether you choose to... Uh, so if you choose to vacation in August, August, that's when most people do it, right? So what happens is July, you you kind of, you take a few days off, you still spend the time off, but you vacation in August. In July is actually a very heavy month for uh, public holidays. Uh, There's kind of a French national day is July 14th. So there's fireworks displays. So you like, you still work, but you still like party it up in July. And then in August, you go and you vacation, you travel around Europe, and then you, you vacation very heavily. Meanwhile, if you take a vacation in July, your vacation is a bit more—it's a bit more light and chill. And then when you come back in August, you're still taking some days off. Uh, but but it's you're you know when you're in the office, it's still lighter because most people are taking their holidays. So you get like a very relaxed two month period. Um, and so there's yeah, there's like a culture war um, in France uh, uh, around whether you're one of those two groups. Um, Yeah, this also shuts down the economy, right? The French are are very attached to what many feels like a human right to take this time off, and and then come out. My last note here. Before get into the summary, is that uh, kind of in, in relation to what Harry said about the the character in the film who talks about how he didn't really see the ocean until he was sixty? He you know he he doesn't get you know these two month holidays. Is that there there is still an, uh, kind of this class dynamic here uh, that is important to note, right? Not everyone is able to travel to go to the beaches. While researching this, uh, there was an article where a teacher described being able to like very clearly see which of her students had like goggle tan lines and which ones didn't write. Um, people do get this time off, but like whether they're able to spend it traveling around Europe, like the characters in a Rome or film or whatnot uh, is, is still up to issues of, of, class and whatnot. So important to consider, uh, but that is not something considered uh, by a young woman named Delphine, who is the protagonist of the green Ray. Uh, she's played here by Marie Riviere, uh, who we also saw As the star of, or one of the stars of The Aviator's Wife, as well. Uh, She is a character who has recently gone through a sad breakup and is also informed uh, by the person that she was supposed to go vacationing with that they will instead be traveling with their new boyfriend. So she's left feeling abandoned without any sort of short-term plans. Right around, uh, as I mentioned, Paris is supposed to empty, right? It's about to get really empty. Everybody's going on a holiday, and she's left kind of stranded and alone uh, at the start of vacationing season. So she makes a variety of plans, including um, coming along with a friend for a beach weekend, as well as solo traveling in the Alps. Uh, But kind of each time she's unable to get past the surface level of social interactions, not just with other women, but also potential male romantic interests. Uh, Jason, that is a bunch of rambling about France and about the holidays and about this film a little bit. Uh, What did you think? I
2: think maybe my feelings about the first part of the movie are heavily informed by what you just said all about French vacation culture, where like maybe it's part resentment of that uh, of, of that like concept of if I don't get my eight weeks in uh, you know I'm sort of maybe maybe not getting what I'm owed a sort of thing when obviously like in the United States we have like like Harry was saying two days at the holiday and you feel like you're stretching it um,
1: although I did I did really appreciate Aaron's last point there that um, some of these some of the people in France wouldn't have the money to go on vacation because it did remind me that yes you're right if I did have eight weeks vacation um I wouldn't be able to afford to go anywhere anyway so it really doesn't matter that I don't have that vacation that's a nice that's a nice thing to remind you you should, me should of. try being the protagonist
0: of a Romer film and you'll just go to the Alps have you tried <laughs> Buddy,
1: that? I feel like I am the protagonist for a Romer film okay <laughs> (laughs) Uh, I was
2: really almost infuriated by the first, like 70% of this movie. I, I, I wondered if it was ever going to sort of move beyond the meandering lens through which we see the movie, um, with the main characters, uh, Oh man, I'm already forgetting her name. Um, with the main characters, uh, Delphine Delphine with her whole, you know, like you said, her sort of out of syncness with her with the sort of world that she lives in the sort of social pressures that she feels um, there's a pretty I think it's pointed that she has that um, you know I'll, I'll start over uh, it 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 meanders it languishes uh, for so long that I became pretty thoroughly annoyed with it it probably is partially tied to that whole resentment of french vacation culture where it doesn't feel like a whole lot is is uh, it, a whole lot is at stake so to speak uh, externally anyway um it is only in the last part of this movie probably the last 20-25 minutes that i started to like and this is me probably being late about it but i was starting to grok what was really there and only in those last gaps of gasps of the story did i like get a sense for its true intention what it was trying to do what you know it see its true self um kind of like the green ray itself am i right guys uh, my, uh, mon, uh, how do you say it for mon freres, um, a little bit like the green ray itself, the last thing that you see, uh, just a little bit of French humor. there, a little bit of cinema joking. Um, uh, it was like, obviously that meandering feeling that sort of like, are we going anywhere or are we just sort of sulking with this character is because it's told through the lens of that character who is much more meandering than at least from what I, you know, picked up from the first two Romer films we, we covered. Um, the aviator's wife, and boyfriends and girlfriends. Uh, obviously, you know, these sort of vignettes that we see her in, and these different locations that she tries to vacation in, and the sort of like alone time that she has, obviously those are casting her in opposition to the single girl lifestyle, like the jet setting, one night stand, vacationer. Um, you know, that's not really her. She, she like starts to almost get annoyed with the, sorry, get angry with like what society expects of single women, uh, in the eighties or, or at any time. Um, but it also just became like almost it was just such a drag to me for the first 80% of the movie that she's moving between parties where she feels like she doesn't fit in where she doesn't really feel like she wants to, or can connect with the people there and being alone and crying. Um, this is a, a like a heavy, uh, almost sinful reduction of what the movie actually is. Um, and what the movie actually ends up doing, but it is how I felt throughout most of it. Um, eventually she, uh, you know, I started to realize that she, it's not just that she's unhappy wherever she goes, it's that she thinks these externalities, the way people see her, is like who she is. Um, it sort of started to click for me around the conversation with that Swedish woman in Buret, uh, where she's like, I have nothing. She's describing the whole, the, the Swedish woman is describing, um, you know, meeting people and being single in the world and sort of getting around as like a card game. Uh, and, Delphine feels like there's nothing in her hand, like she has nothing. So she has to sort of keep the backs of the cards pointed toward the world instead. Um, like I said, that that scene sort of unlocks the movie for me because when the men approach and see two pretty girls and they assume that they might want to dance, she's super uncomfortable. Delphine is super uncomfortable with it. Um, she's sort of just squirming in her seat as the Swedish girl is turning up the charm with that one guy, uh, you know, speaking different languages and talking about what they do and where they want to go. In that moment, I think Delphine is asking if she like is anything but a pretty girl who might want to dance. She starts to like, see herself through the eyes of the people seeing her and it becomes too much. And she flees again, obviously um, the second half of the movie, uh, I guess beyond that scene in particular um, really convinces me that like it, the movie is about the difficulty of connecting to other people at a baseline. And then On top of that, the sort of back and forth, the feed forward loop of setting your own terms for doing that. And the social structures become prescriptive for how you're supposed to connect with others. And like what you want to be able to see in people is not what you're actually going to see. You're going to see something that they're presenting to the world. I ended up getting like really high minded and like out of out of pocket with my like understanding of the movie, which I felt like was a good sign for the latter half. If it wasn't like slowing down, that it was actually picking up speed in my head, um, By the time that we actually get introduced to this idea of the green ray while she's like listening to this, um, this group of like this book club of older folk, uh, talking about having read the Jules Verne novel, um, it's like it becomes almost a mythical ideal that you can be known only for your feelings and for who you are instead of how you present to the world um, that you can be known as a person who wants love and romance and companionship and all the things that Delphine has has said that she wants, um, or at least has intimated that she wants and not as someone who like hates being around people and just cries when you're alone. uh, Even though those are signifiers of maybe what she wants to be Um, her belief in personal superstition uh, serves her well in that case. Like she's ready to make or break a relationship with this guy at the very end of the film. She meets him very last minute in the train station at Buritz uh, and she's ready to like do something. She's ready to open herself to this guy based on a fictional concept from a book. She's never read that she heard secondhand uh, with a guy that she's never met before solely on like the concept being an attractive one solely on like that being what she wants out of her life and relationship is just to be able to like meaningful, con- meaningfully connect. So the concept of the green ray as something that can reveal who you are and your true feelings to yourself and to somebody you love is strong enough to her. She holds that enough of enough of a, a personal like superstition, uh, excuse me, a, a conviction about personal superstitions um, that she is able to like that. That's meaningful at the end, that it's not uh you know a, another tryst it's not another uh fling it's not, a, not another thing that she can sort of easily toss away as one of those things that society puts on her she can like internalize that concept of um i am now like sort of being at one with my understanding of myself i am able to connect with another person in this moment uh, and it is uh, obviously it's it's dust you know it's it's a concept it's a mythical concept from a fictional book but she like is able to latch onto it, and we don't know how it ends, how it turns out. But we do know that they see it. We do know that at least she is sort of moved by this. She is uh, she is sort of shaken from her, um, you know her her ennui, so to speak, uh, about the whole like the, everything that's gone on in the movie so far. Um, again, uh, that is probably where I should cut myself off. I am uh, I'm running out of things to say alone. Uh, but maybe together with my friend Cody, we can uh, come up with some new understandings, Cody.
3: Wow. Thanks, Jason. Um, Yeah, good to be here with friends talking about uh, Romer films. I, I don't know if I came away um infuriated, but I, I definitely um kind of get where Jason is coming from with this being a um, a more challenging watch in different ways. And I, I think I characterized it a little bit differently and I'll try to to get there sufficiently. Um but I it might be worth noting that you know the films in the Romer series up to this point, you know, they've they've sort of reaffirmed a a certain different sensibility and and pattern. You know, we're examining and over examining perspectives of you know inner conflicts and and uh, spoken and unspoken desires and how those sorts of things interact with the conflicts uh, and desires of others you know friends and partners strangers, people we meet, uh, on a fucking two month long holiday, et cetera. Um, and I guess in that way, I was a little unprepared for green ray, um, which it does those things. But, um, as it's been alluded to, we remain pretty well tethered to Delphine and we experience all her interactions and, you know, interactions with this sort of round uh, Roundtable of people we meet along the way, uh, as they're refracted only through her. And uh, I think, just like the the experience of watching this movie, felt a little bit more dense uh, to me uh, compared to other the other rumor watches we've done up to now. Um, I do, I guess I do think in the same way as uh, however, the way that the other films in the series have through those consistent reexaminations of character, we do eventually get to the heart of the thing, um, or, or kind of scratch at it a couple times, at least, you know, in this case, the thing is, it's this feeling of isolation, it can't be wished away or cured by conversations with friends or conversations with um you know new friends um, strangers we meet on vacay it can't be cured by taking a trip uh itself it can't be cured by getting a good night's rest you know this is something that sustains for a while um for many days um, a couple weeks i think at least you know there were certain monologues from delphine where i i Felt things click a little bit more. Um, and especially from spending a lot of the past two years alone, I felt myself pretty successfully like affected by this film's, um, characterizing and speaking to that trapped sort of, um, loneliness without really anything you can do about it. Um, so in that way, I I think there, there were some sequences of like notable success here. Um, and it, it might just be my own bias of like uh, personal preference or from recency or from how the films in the series were scheduled. But I, I think I do have a preference for the emotional uh, and otherwise interplay involving that, that group uh, rather than just the one character. I, I like how the richness of, of dialogue in all of Rummer's films operates when there are multiple protagonists in the mix. And, you know, the, we've talked about it a couple of times, but the focus on, people traveling and like getting from place to place. I, I think that also like uh, flows a little bit differently when it's just the one person like Delphine has her solo walks. And obviously those contrast from those uncomfortable sort of interactions that she's subjected to when she's around others. But, you know, we think about the aviator's wife and, and boyfriends and girlfriends, and there are, Sequences with multiple people, you know, like walking somewhere. And I I would argue that we get a better sense of like their environment, um, because their dialogues sort of bring the externals in the city into focus. Um, whereas with Delphine, I found myself focusing largely on, you know, how she is moving, physically moving when she's by herself, how she physically floats through these environments, um, uh, kind of knowing where her interiority is at you know how and when she chooses to be near and far from people and I I sort of honed in on her and didn't really register the surroundings as much so maybe that's my own problem but um you know again it, and not to say that that's a bad experience um it's also good just something i prefer less than romer stories that bring in more personalities but i i think i do understand why this is as highly regarded uh, of a film as it is uh, all all things being said you know uh, for our reference it is the most logged romer film on letterbox and it is it currently sits with the highest collective rating um out of all of them uh it's not as e- like, it's not an easy emotional journey but it, i think it did feel rewarding enough at times and it led to what i think was uh as jason was talking about a pretty i think it was a pretty great great ending on um, these romer films have all ended in in really cool um in really cool ways uh so yeah nice capper for Trilon's romer series um Side note, though, I, I, I'd i like to introduce y'all to someone I actually just met uh, on, on holiday. He's funny. He's a poet. He's a musician. He can play piano and, and guitar. He can also speak
1: French. Uh, his name is uh, it's Harry, and here he is. I can do less than half of the things that you just described, but thank you Cody. Um and I'm I'm super appreciative of all of your perspectives because I th- I think this was going to be a really fun one to talk about, but I'm not super prepared for it because I I took this movie very personally, um and I was very affected by it. And um I think it is my favorite romer movie, so it's cool that we got sort of the spectrum that we had just Referred to, um, but I, I, I think I just had a very personal sort of um, connection to this movie, and I, I'm not saying that that you guys are not prepared to feel that, right? Or I'm not sort of trying to um, high road you in that way, if you know what I mean. But um, this is just to say that, like, I think I've had almost this exact experience, right? Where um, and the last time I went on vacation in 2018, uh, I had just quit taking sertraline uh which is an antidepressant um because it was making me too tired to work properly uh and I was so miserable on this vacation um and there's something particularly about being miserable in a in a place and at a time when you're supposed to be happy that becomes very very damaging to yourself um i think something that maybe um I, I wouldn't say you miss Jason at all. Right. But, but maybe it's something that you're not prepared to be quite as sympathetic with just because the movie doesn't prepare you is that um, Delphine is, is definitely sort of annoying in, in this way. I think that, that the thing that maybe we don't see quite as much is that when you are in that headspace, you are your own worst critic to like a really exceptional degree, and that is part of what makes you so insufferable and so closed off inside yourself. Um, I think that like there there are some um, moments in this movie, and and they are the the lonely moments of Delphine just being on vacation by herself and sort of like looking out at the waves or going on a walk by herself or walking through the woods on herself that were like. Maybe some of the most affecting cinematic moments I've ever experienced because, like, I could see just visually the distance between how she wanted to feel about her environment and how she felt about the environment. And I could see and feel how that was making her feel about herself, right? How she thought that, like, the fact that I am not experiencing the joy that this beautiful place is, is seemingly designed to give me or was was created to bring me on this vacation at this time and my youth which is which is slipping further and further away um it's it's heartbreaking right it's it's heartbreaking to see her trapped inside of herself that way um and I, I think that this movie without spelling it out although it it you know we we get to know her better and better as time goes on, it does an unbelievably poignant job of depicting that sort of Inner isolation and the the helplessness and the the grief and resentment that comes with it because when you 're in that place, you know how you 're affecting the people around you right I think that's that 's maybe the most painful part or at least it it was for me when I was in this place right where like you 're around all of these people who are just trying to have a good time, and you know you 're ruining it for them because you 're such a sour p- puss right because you 're like you can 't help but like have this Terrible long conversation about vegetarianism, or you can't strike up a conversation with the guy that your friend wants you to talk to, or whatever. Right. And it's just like, I know that like I am bringing everyone else into this place. And that's, that was the thing that was so worrying. Right. And that's the thing that, that worried me so badly. And so I think I, I can empathize with, um, With her feelings, Delphine's feelings in this, um, because it's like, it's not just you, right? It's not just that you're the problem. It's the idea that like, of course, nobody could ever love you because like, loving you would mean that they would be pulled into this place. And like, you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy, much less... Uh, somebody you 're ostensibly supposed to love and care for, and like yet here you are right here you are in in some of the prettiest places on earth um in my case, I was in San francisco, so it 's not like the prettiest place on earth, and there are plenty of reasons to be pretty upset about being in san francisco but um in in her case it's like <laughs> y- well, you know I mean, while I was in San Francisco, I saw homeless people outside of the LinkedIn building right, so like San Francisco fucking sucks, but anyway um but it's. I think that that it really demonstrates visually and formally that inner sense of isolation and all of the myriad manifestations of self persecution and self hatred and judgment that all sort of only circle back towards further self obsession and then um, sort of further fuel the. Um, the, that same persecution sense, right? So it becomes a vicious cycle. Um, and I, I really, really loved all of the um, the symbolism that you had mentioned, Jason, because I think it does a really good job of depicting that, right? Like to, to me, the the cards, especially at the beginning, they were almost mockery. Um, and I, I again, I'm not trying to be like it sounds cliched to talk candidly about depression, so I never really like to do it. But like when I was really low my my life could feel like that right where it felt like if there was a god he was like giving me signifiers as mockery and like you you, she picks up that card that's the black queen of spades and it's like it's like the universe telling her she's going to be alone forever right like it it seems so obvious to her in her mind that that is what that is and so like for me it was so cathartic and so um moving to see how in her own sort of interior journey she could reach a place where her personal um superstitions could come to signify something else right and she knows that they are signifiers that she is designing herself that's the whole point of sort of personal um uh symbolism right but she can hear about the green ray and think about the significance of the color ray to her and then pick up a jack of spades or a jack of hearts and see the green ray and then see the store that's called the green ray and all of a sudden the universe is telling her something else and she knows that that's really that's actually her telling herself something else right it's that she can move uh, beyond this sort of like interior frustration and something really cool happens even um, visually in the um, that final sequence in the in the train station, where after um, after her uh, love interest sits down next to her, we we do the roamer shots right where we cut two people in the station where we see some kids and we see a couple and we see some people buying tickets and I believe that 's the first time that a roamer shot happens in this movie right is once she 's a part of the crowd again, whereas before like we had been living in this agony of isolation from. The crowd where in and, and every time I, she even describes it, Delphine does right, where like it feels like every time she she manages to broach the the distance between herself and somebody else, it only happens far enough for her to sort of feel how good it would feel before that stripped away from her again or before it 's revealed that it never really existed, that it was just something that was fooling her again, right, and so like for her to see the, the, for them to do this sort of say anything ending at the end of this, where she sees the, the green ray and she she finally sort of breaks, right? And she had been crying watching the sunset because she was so anxious that she wouldn't see it and the rug would be pulled out from under her yet again. Um, it was just like, it was like unbelievably moving to me. And they play this, the the soundtrack, the score, that's just one song. And it's just this like, this scary sort of like, um, an anxiety inducing violin piece and it like it's such such a perfect moment for that moment and it hadn't worked for the other scenes that preceded it i like i couldn't figure out why they were just playing this one theme with this one string the whole time and it was like this is sort of it's sort of a weird mismatch and then it perfectly lines up at the end where you understand the full sort of um spectrum or kaleidoscope of the complicated feelings that Delphine is processing inwardly. Um, and I think that even refers to the, um, the proverb here, right? It's, it's ironic almost, the proverb. It's like, uh, let, it, let it now be the time when hearts can fall in love. It, this movie sort of demonstrates that that actually really has very little to do with somebody else, right? Like You being in a place to fall in love has, has much, much more to do with who you are and where you are inside yourself and on your interior journey than it does with someone else. And so I even really love the fact that like the love interest is just some guy, that she's in the right place at the right time for, right? And it, it's even sort of implied that like this could have happened somewhere else. She just wasn't ready for it. And the fact that she wasn't ready for it in all of these other better places is, again, part of the the terror of the whole thing. So, I mean, I, I think I agree. I, I agree with um, both you and Cody when, when you say that, like, I think this is a much more challenging watch, right? Because it is about one depressed woman walking around, Um, alone on vacation and in beautiful places and not having a good time at all. Um, And we don't get the sort of level of witticism and interpersonal exchange that something like uh, the aviator's wife or um, boyfriends and girlfriends offers, um, which in all of those are so good. And they're so good at depicting multiple intersecting interiorities but i think as an exploration of like a very as an unbelievably sympathetic poignant exploration of this woman's interior journey and the empathy that it That it builds in us. Um, I I was really really moved by this one. Um, In a way, I wasn't quite for the others, Uh, so I think it was it was my favorite. But now, um, I just sat down and I'm opening The Idiot by Dostoyevsky, which of course Delphine will be reading, uh, by the way. And who's that dashing young man who just walked in and is sitting down? He's got he's got a really nice wristwatch. He's got a he's got kind of a stylish haircut. Uh, He has some some truly awful facial hair. Why, it's Aaron. Hello, Aaron. I thought you were going to say I was the idiot. So
0: thank you for not taking the easy way out on that one. I appreciate I it. I kind of got you with
1: the, with the facial hair you, a little bit. You but. did.
0: Uh, but here's the thing. You also said I had a stylish haircut, and my haircut right now looks awful. So jokes I don't on you. That. I
1: think it looks pretty good, actually. Uh,
0: you, you saw it when it was wet on a D&D cam. Uh, you just wait until you see me in person at some point. Um, no, uh, I, uh, so I'm having to kind of... Harry kind of nailed a lot of my thoughts. So I'm looking at my notes here and some of them are a little, little jumbled. I'll say that, that from a personal reaction standpoint, I think I I fall closer to uh, Jason and Cody's not that I think they were kind of acknowledging a lot of what, 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 you know, a lot of the feelings that, that Harry was having about the film. Uh, But I think my personal enjoyment kind of lies closer to the, you know, this, this was a bit of a harder watch, um, it's not a film... I think I, I connected with the character of Delphine quite a bit, but I think the film as a whole is not necessarily something that I, I really felt uh, personally too connected to. Um, but I, I do think there were a number of things that, that are in this film that, that kind of help strengthen some of the the interesting traits of, of the other films that we've covered by by Romer. Um, I think that uh, specifically... Um, uh, one thing that I, I really noticed in this film is that, that Romer really... The, the kind of naturalistic conversations uh, that he, he has these characters engaging in. Um, these, these actors often struggle, um, and I, I still don't know whether it's as actors or as really good actors who are struggling as characters uh, to find the the words to say in a given moment. I think Delphine here, more than any of the other characters in, in the Romer films we've watched, it's like she's constantly searching for something that's just out of reach. Um, I think that, that that is that is intentional in this film, at least it feels that way. Um, but it, it is something that it's in all his other films, too. Right. Like the, they, they often kind of look around while characters are talking and and you can see them really searching for a way to respond to uh, the other person that they're talking with. I really like that uh, uh, and specifically like that in this film. And it's like even more prominent here. Um, I think that uh, uh, the way that he recontextualizes conversations uh, simply by changing the placement and subjects of the camera, I think that that's really interesting. Specifically, the conversation that that Lena has um, with her kind of, would be uh uh you know uh romantic interest uh near the end of the film as they're kind of sitting on the beach side it's really interesting they're chatting having a i guess what the film would would say is a, a kind of a more superficial conversation and then instantly cutting to delphine and seeing how she is just suffering through this conversation um i think that that is really interesting as well um and 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 you know kind of tying into that these kind of long improv- improvisational conversations um i think even more so improvisational in this film than the other ones we watched um that meander uh, but i think do so in as i mentioned a naturalistic way i think that the, the sequence that harry mentioned that that it's like it's like maybe 10 minutes uh solely dedicated to delphine talking about her reasons for being a vegetarian i think that These scenes can serve the characters, but I think that they may be in the final summation kind of hard for me to justify uh, at times. Um, And that kind of ties into my my final point that um, is tying into, I think, what all all the other fellows here said, which is that this film has kind of helped and it suffers a little bit due to its limited point of view. This film is it's almost entirely solely focused on the character of Delphine, right? There are, there are scenes that leave her very briefly where you see other characters react to how Delphine uh, uh, acted in a, a previous scene, but they're, they're very, very brief Uh, The result of this, I think, is that there's this very interesting study of one person's sadness and aimlessness, but it is a film that kind of at the end of the day doesn't feel as dynamic as the other films of Romers that we've watched. Um, It's certainly not as as kind of... um, i want to say like exuberant but i don't know if any of the romer films were exactly like exuberant right but but it doesn't feel as much like that as something like boyfriends and girlfriends or the aviator's wife and i think that i i prefer those films for that reason even if it does feel kind of bad to say because like i do think that everything that harry said about this movie like is accurate that is what the film is doing it's like solely dedicated to doing that thing in a really really wonderful way um so, uh, yeah, I, I, I think I had kind of a hard time watching it, but it, but I think my appreciation of it is, is, is great. So
3: yeah. Uh, likewise, I think, man, a lot of, a lot of good stuff. I'm going to try to, I, I guess, um, lightly jump on, uh, on the backs of some of the points that you fellows have brought up. Um, I guess, uh, um, Harry first, uh, a, a lot of what you said, I mean, it made me think about one of the things that I'm starting to appreciate more and more about, uh Romers films and I've um watched a few like outside of the the trilons series um just because I'm having such a good time with it. But like the the sort of the way characters come off. Um, you know, main characters and sort of uh, you know if they're like secondary um characters that we're meeting on holiday for example or, or something like that, you know, so and in this case I guess Delphine, um, you know, they can come off as like abrasive or difficult or you know relative and all of this is relative to the other like the movie's other characters uh, because of like what they what they want and it's it's hard to like you know sometimes the, the 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 interests uh clash sometimes it's it's really hard to articulate emotions it's really hard to articulate how you're feeling and so like for you know to be like stuck in a dialogue about you know your your needs or like how you're feeling and like not being able to describe those things um and like I don't know. I, I can't like 100%, uh, you know, relate to the things Delphine is going through or like the things that Harry was talking about, but like uh, on some level, I, I can understand. Cause I've been in that situation more like something uh, when I'm on mic and I'm unable to like, uh, detail a point that I, like, I know it's there. Like Aaron was saying, you know, it's, it's just out of reach and I can, I can feel it, but uh, you, uh, you know, I, I just, I can't for, for whatever reason. And that doesn't make, what Delphine is feeling wrong. Like it doesn't make her a bad person by any means. It just means that, you know, there's a disconnect. And I, I like how Romer's films, you know, they, it were, it's about highlighting the disconnect. And like, that's maybe in some cases, what's the most important part of all of this is just, we're, we're examining and over-examining and over-examining um, a, 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 a certain situation or a series of relationships. And by the end, we just say, these there's a disconnect between these people, between this person and the rest of the world, and like I, we've identified it. And everybody understands that now, and that's sort of like the great, hopefully, the great release we get. Um, and, and the the you know the just some guy bit at the end. Um, again, Harry, like you were talking about when I when I, I saw that you know that that guy, I saw them you know making eyes and like they start having a conversation. All of a sudden, I started playing um, "Someone Great" by LCD Sound System in my head. It just like it keeps coming, it keeps coming until the day it stops. Like you like you just
1: Woo-hoo! wake up one day.
3: <laughs> you just you just wake up one day and like just that that shit you're feeling is just is like gone. It's it's not a factor anymore. Like again, without speaking to specifics, I I'm uh, I have not had a, a, a wild history of relationships and flings on holiday um, or holidays uh, in general um, to speak of. So I, again, I can't really put myself in Delphine shoes, but like I, I think a lot of us can l- latch onto a glimpse of that or. A version of that, right? Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I see. And I sort of the using the word appreciate like Aaron did. Like I really do appreciate what this movie is 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 doing. Like the the feelings of un, being unable to articulate um, like my sadness or um, or anything else. Like those sorts of feelings I can perhaps relate to more than the feelings of that are being conveyed in in any other movie we talked we've talked about up to this point. Um, just because they're they're more um, I don't know they're more me ass than the rest of this. Which isn't to say that I, I don't prefer watching you know the goings-on of a bunch of hot people in in europe um because i definitely do but yeah i maybe this is me just like bridging the two sides together but like i am very on board with um a lot of the discourse that's been brought forth is what i'm saying
2: as am i and i think your points and aaron's are very like confluent i think uh cody that like this i think aaron called it a study of one person's like sadness and aimlessness through this you know internal turmoil they feel um it sort of makes it feel uh, i think you went shy of calling it exuberant but like it does to me like by definition feel less full of life than the other romer films we've seen um i think that's like a little bit the point but to like explain that a little bit, um, it's just very clear from the other movies we've seen that Romer loves showing people in their larger context, whether it's like a bunch of people on a bus or in a um, you know, in a in a park with tourist photographers and stuff, um, or even if it's just like two people in a diner, uh, talking cafe. like in a cafe. Exactly. I apologize. Um, I'll get it right next time. Uh, our my listeners uh, should not feel like this Capuchino. is the end for me. Uh, that's not French. Uh, these people like. It's because in in the other films we've seen, these people are like building the characters opposite them on the table or at the table while they talk, right? Everything that they say reveals a little bit about them and you're sort of building a fleshing out a larger picture of them Um, when characters like uh, like Delphine in this film are allowed to be more solipsistic, like we're not allowed to hear what's going on in her head. We can just see what's on her face, right? Um, It makes me feel a little bit more distant from the character. And like I said, maybe that's the point. And Cody, you sort of touched on this when you said that there's like a a gap. There's some like, um, you know, disconnect there. Uh, Maybe that's the point is that even if you're unable to relate to this person personally, as Harry was mentioning, can you still sympathize with them? Can you still see what's happening there and feel sympathy? Uh, I don't know, like that might be stretching a little bit too far or maybe giving too much being too generous with either me or the film as far as like what it was trying to do or get me to feel. But that's why I think we all keep coming back to that appreciate and maybe don't love uh not all. I should say me, Harry, and me, Aaron and Cody, is that like we're we're not in those shoes. We can't really get in those shoes, but the movie is sort of in a challenging way of saying, can you still like appreciate? Can you still sympathize? Can you still feel for, you know, even if you can't feel with? Does that make sense, Harry?
1: Yeah, no, I really, really like the way that you characterize that, right? And I think that, um, this m- movie is doing something almost categorically different with its conversations than um, the previous two we watched, and it's still very Romer-esque. But there is a um, there is a definite shift that you that you characterized well, which is that um, as opposed to using conversation to unlock or sort of like give us a glimpse into the interiorities of multiple people simultaneously in sort of a cross section, so that we can see and um, analyze them side by side. This is meant to give us. Uh, one woman's and the environment that makes the woman feel this way in cross section so that we can sort of examine the dissociation and the disconnect and understand the tensions there and empathize with that. Right. I think that the, uh, the vegetarian scene that you brought up here is a really great one. Um, And it gets at a lot of what the sort of frustrations and angers that, um, Jason you pointed to and uh I I think it's a really brilliant scene because it's so naturalistic, right? I mean, I think it's a it's a conversation I've actually had or a conversation I've actually seen play out where somebody with a restrictive lifestyle or dietary or even um sort of like um health problems. So it's something that that is either a choice of theirs or not. Um Either way, it's valid, right? But they find themselves explaining it, and all of a sudden they feel that they are the focal point, right? They are the center of attention in a way that they didn't really want to be. And it's it's like the this perfect interior torture chamber for Delphine, where she is at at the same time trying to find the sort of golden path to navigate, where she doesn't come off as um, haughty or, uh, snooty or, um, overly sensitive or judgmental. And at the same time, identifying that there is absolutely no way out, right? That, that she, there is no path there. So what she's navigating doesn't exist and you can see the interior combination of elements there right where she resents these people for making them her feel this way and she resents herself for making them feel this for making them feel this way and she resents herself for allowing them to make her feel this way and it it's there's such a complex interchange of Persecution and self persecution and judgment there, where her anger with herself manifests at as anger against them, and her need to be accepted by them manifests as this sort of like very like jovial put upon um, attempt to make this a casual conversation, and she really wishes that it could be a ca- casual conversation, and she really doesn't think it's a big deal. She really doesn't think that she's judging them, but she's afraid that they're judging her, and I mean like again, maybe this is just like a shitty bullseye for me, but like I don't drink. Right. So like I have been this person before, right. Mm-hmm, Where like, mm-hmm. I'm at a bar with my friends and they're, and they like ask me about it. And I'm supposed to generate a reason that I don't drink. That doesn't come across as judgmental or doesn't come across as haughty. And it's just like, you can't do it. It's it's a Chinese finger trap. Like the harder you try, the worse it's going to be. And you just have to sort of like sit with the fact that you are fundamentally different from these people and like not better or worse, but just isolated in this moment. And they're mm-hmm. all thinking like, why don't you just stop doing that? And you're thinking like, it's not, you can't. And it's, I, I found that so compelling. I found that like such a perfect encapsulation without any sort of like prose-esque explanation or uh, di- narrative, or sorry, not narrative, but um, di- our uh, narration about that exact sort of like setup. And it's such a specific thing to get at when it comes to vacations and when it comes to sort of like people passing through your life who could be something if not for the sort of thorns that they get hung up on in your interior space, right? And it, it's so good at depicting that And depicting sort of how we can both sympathize and empathize with that and also empathize and sympathize with the frustration, which is crucial, right? Like, I think that we're not necessarily supposed to be totally on Delphine's side here. Like, she really is ruining things for people. She knows it. We know it. I like, I was never fully on my side when I was too depressed to function during vacations. Right. I hated it. I hated myself for doing that. And that just made it worse. Right. And it's so good to like, there's no way out. Right. Like it's this, it's this shame spiral that is like absolutely like interiorly, interiorly um, internally consistent. And, um, and it seems so simple to get out of, which is why it's so impossible to get out of. And that it's, I really thought that, that, that scene in particular but are a lot of these scenes did a really really um profound job of of finding that.
0: Uh yes, I I agree with with Harry what Harry is saying. I I agree with it especially cuz I I I think that it it gets to the core of this movie that I think was was kind of um untouched upon by I think a lot of the stuff that I was reading, um, not just I read a few reviews of the film, but also just when, I, when I'm when i writing up the summary and I'm kind of consulting with Wikipedia for little details or actors' names or whatnot. Um, the Wikipedia summary was like weirdly focused on how this film is like a commentary on kind of uh, social culture in France, specifically how Delphine is, uh, kind of upset, uh, well, in Europe as a whole, she travels around, but like how Delphine is upset with uh, the the role that she's supposed to play, uh, as kind of a young woman, specifically interacting with, um, men, uh, you know, from like a potentially romantic standpoint. And I do agree that that's a, it's a big part of this film. Uh, but I think that like an even bigger part is like, um, you know, I don't think that, that anybody in this film, off the top of my head that I remember is like a bad person, right? Or like overly skeezy in any, any sort of way, maybe one or two characters here and there. Um, but I think that like even more so than like, you know, the shallowness of these kind of social interactions, this film is like largely about like how it feels when you like you're in this funk and you're you you you're in these larger social situations and you constantly feel the need to like perform in a certain way, right? Like you you feel the need to, to be interesting, to be witty. And you, you think that you are – Um, uh, but it's like not working, right. There's like a scene where like everybody is saying like, Delphine, what are your interests? You, you don't, haven't talked about your interests. You just like, all you do is like you do the dishes and you kind of hang out. Right. And like, why aren't you saying anything interesting? And she thinks that she is, um, uh, but, but it's clear to these other people that like something is off that, right. She's, she's not like vibing with the situation. Mm -hmm. Um, she's not really connecting with these people. Um, and I, I really connected with kind of like that feeling as well. Um, and that I, I do think that with, when you're in kind of these larger groups, you do have kind of like a role to, that you're supposed to play. Right. And you're kind of and if if you if you don't gel with that in some manner, it can feel like so demoralizing and off. And I think that this film like really nailed that feeling quite a bit um, in a way that I appreciated.
1: Yeah, Aaron, I really appreciate that. I, I really appreciate the specific role play, right? Because I think that, that gets further into everything that I was saying about her feeling sort of locked out from those things. I really think it's like, this movie is like a series of really bad dates, right? Where like, bad dates make you feel like you're a moron, because it's like, am I am I that completely charmless and not witty and unable of to say anything interesting whatsoever, right? And it's just the timing's wrong or the person's wrong or something but like you're you're right like that sort of like inability to access the sort of like role or ability to play the role at least that you should have is so frustrating um and i think that just it's something that you mentioned that was really good and something that i remember feeling a lot i'm really in my feelings this episode so i apologize but um in like high school or something is that your fear of your own judgment becomes so extreme right because like i think that you're right none of the characters in this movie are particularly superficial or particularly um like skeezy or or obnoxious, right? Like I even the characters that are semi-coded that way, I think the point is that they're not really like that. They're, they're fine, right? Like the Swedish person that she meets is super friendly and super clever and she speaks at least three languages and she's super fun to hang out with, right? And like, I think that, and maybe this is projection, but Del- Delphine is so frustrated in that conversation, not only because she can't be as clever as that woman is, And not only because she sees their conversation as sort of like blatantly flirty or uh, superficial, but because she knows that on some level she is like, because of her own resentment and inability, she has started to characterize that conversation as superficial or uh, flirty and stupid, right? And she doesn't, she hates that, that, that she is thinking that because she knows it comes from this. Um, deep seated insecurity. And because it's not like she knows it's not, she knows there's nothing wrong with being flirty and having fun. Right. And it's such a relatable feeling where like when you are at a party and everybody else is having fun, And you're not having any fun and you feel yourself starting to hate those people because they're having fun and you're not. And then you hate yourself for hating those people because, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Right. And, you know, that on a different night or under different circumstances, you would be one of the people that would be having fun and that you now think just look like the biggest dumb assholes on the planet but you know there's nothing wrong with that and you feel terrible about yourself right you feel misogynistic or you feel whatever um because like you are you can feel that little like like itching bit of judgment and it makes you want to do what delphine did right where it's like the the minute they ask you to play you're just like you have to get away not necessarily because you hate them but because you hate that like your your brain is doing this to you at this time um so i i think that that's another really really poignant um conversation piece um and then i guess just before you pivot it just made me think of like how um in terms of empathy in in this movie i know it's very personal but like i think the reason why it works for me so much is because like it made me think about all of the times and all the interactions i've had with people who like were delphines like not just me but also like you know, especially in, in junior high or in high school, like all of these people that like I could have or should have been friends with, but like it was hard to be friends with them because they were just like that's where they were is that they were in a place where they were in a funk and they were often in a funk for very good reasons, right? Like I think that the the kids at, in high school that are most bullied are usually bullied because they are... uh in a funk right because their parents are poor or because they don't have a good home life or because of xyz um but like it does it's it's so so it's so like heartbreaking to think about all of the people whose thorns you got hung up on right as you sort of traveled through life and it was like there wasn't really anything wrong with them and there wasn't really anything wrong with you except that like it was a matter of timing and circumstance and the interior places you were at and one of you was depressed or, you know, the other was depressed. And for whatever reason, you didn't click and it was bad. And it it maybe even hurt both of you, right? And it's it's really heartbreaking to think about that. And I think that's what makes it so cathartic that there is sort of a, a literal light at the end of this tunnel, um, so to speak. Yeah, there's
2: the more you guys are talking about it, the more I realize like there is a certain universality to a lot of these feelings. Um I guess I close myself off a little bit to when i'm watching a movie about one person i'm like this is this person's experience you know and i'm unable to extrapolate it at all
0: uh tying to the universality that i'm i I think this is i actually had a note for this and i think these are top of my notes off here but there was a there was actually a quote that i don't have in front of me uh but romer was talking about the kind of stories he likes to tell uh and he said that he he would he likes to tell stories that you could tell right now, you could tell in the future, you could tell, you know, 500 years in the past, because the, the feelings and the the kind of situations that he likes to put his characters in aren't, uh, they like, he tries not to tie them to a specific context, so that they speak more to kind of these universal feelings and emotions. Um, so uh, you nailed it, is what I'm saying, Jason. Nice job. Thank you. Thank you.
2: I do wonder, though, like, how much worse would all these problems be if like all of Delphine's problems be if she had a fucking cell phone like she would just be going <laughs> she was on Twitter insane. all the time sane. she would just or, be or
0: if she was a surf right you move either direction <laughs> if if she is like toiling on a farm all day that that also sucks yeah she guys. Like, what about work. if
1: she was like working 60 hours a week during a pandemic in a 300 square foot apartment oh my god you know man Twitter all the time yeah you, probably, I, I
0: won't be yeah, able you, to get away from my, the one day at the annual festival that I am allowed to not work on my farm <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's Delphine. Is <laughs> that a Verder uh, character?
0: character? <laughs> that's a, just some <laughs> European peasant. Like, Harry, you know, I was nice about she, your points. Please listen, back up the European pe- peasant listen, for she,
2: joke. She, she has a very problematic meet-cute with Klaus Kinski, and we all feel a little weird about it, but we can move past it because it's good drama. Um, we've talked so much about who Delphine is, the feelings that she's navigating throughout this whole movie, how she sees herself and how she feels like she is seen and how, you know, there's like a certain tension that she feels within herself to, you know, to, to be and and to be seen a certain way, all, all that, all that, you know, good, very like theoretical stuff. What I'll start with Cody. Why do you think the green ray as a concept enamors her? So uh, we should probably set up by saying like she's exposed to it because she does actually stumble upon like this elders book club where they start talking about the green ray, the concept as a real scientific thing of like the bending of light as the sun sets to expose green wavelengths just before it, you know, uh, fades into the horizon. And then a novel by Jules Verne that sort of states that it's something that, that, that moment can reveal true feelings to oneself. Um, so anyway, how, why, why does that, uh, you know, concept enamor her? So when she's already like been done with a bunch of superstition and a bunch of like concrete understandings of emotion in the world?
3: Sure. That's a good question. I think, I mean, I, I think, it, and only um, inferring and, and uh, guesswork, I guess at this point, I, I think part of it gets back to like the sort of, um, you know, the, the trials of like re-examining ourselves and then like something someday just like kind of sticks i think the fact that she stumbles uh, sort of stumbles upon this concept um unless i'm misremembering i mean she's she's not walking she is by herself um in a, a place where there is like the group of people and she sort of overhears that um that neil degrasse tyson motherfucker talking about the science behind like the beautiful green right it's like ah shut up i don't want to hear about it um uh, <laughs> neil degrasse tyson like <laughs> just let me be mystified um But like, I I think like the fact that she like she stumbled upon it, like the fact that she overhears it, maybe there is that certain sense of like, like, it's, it's, it's like when you like you watch a movie, and like, none of your friends have seen it. And like, it it, like, it's a great movie. It's like a favorite of yours, you have like a certain like, not ownership, but like that is like that, that's sort of paired with you, right? Cause then you like tell everybody else about it and just like maybe that that's I, I sort of thinking about it, see that same, same sort of experience in her. Like, she's, she's hearing about the Green Ray and like in, in some sense, like that is her own thing. Like, it's as if she were like. Uh, like she stumbled upon like a new religion or something it's sort of the same idea like this yeah. this is is something that could be an explanation like if it's not an explanation of what's going on with her it is something that will tell her and I, she's at the point of desperation where like however she's feeling after this event that is just like how it will be like it we, maybe whether or not it's like the capital a answer to all of her problems it is it is something to look forward to it is a narrative that like that can be conformed to her emotions um prior to and like up to the the green rayoning. um so that's i don't know mm. just me thinking about it maybe at some any and or all of those maybe uh Played a role, but like, yeah, I don't, like search, like searching for meaning and in the moment finding it, like sort of a, an olive branch, um, you know, reaching or not, wrong metaphor, but you know, a hand reaching out in the form of this green ray of just like, you know, pay attention to this. This will guide you. Um, and the note we're we're left on is uh, one of mystery, which I, I really liked. Not mystery, but you know, like we don't tie the loop fully.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that that kind of ambiguous nature is, I think, the 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 point in my mind of the ending and also the, well not the point, but a point of the ending. And then also kind of the thing that makes this film kind of stand out in addition to all the other stuff we talked about uh, in, in relation to the aviator's wife uh, and boyfriends and girlfriends of so in, in that film, I think that we're left with a um, kind of a, a solid view at the end of where these characters are going to go, right? The aviator's wife. I think that uh, the main character is, is, we kind of feel that he's regressing in a certain way, right? That he's accepting his kind of transient nature in, in his relationships with these people, uh, and kind of in the opposite boyfriends and girlfriends, right? These couples do this, this, you know, romantic ending where they kind of swap places and they, they change clothes and they go about their day. Where in this film, um, you know, Delphine does have a connection with this person and they, they see the green ray together. Um, But we're kind of not left with any sort of understanding about where that relationship is going to go from there. And I think that that's, that's fine. Um, I think a lot of this is, kind of in conversation with the, the ending of the, the actual book, the the green ray in which that, that, that is a, it's a book. It's about a hundred pages. Essentially. It's about two characters who are attempting to see the green ray kind of the end of the, the point of the book at the end is that they, they miss seeing the green ray because they are staring at each other and they've, they've fallen in love and built a connection. Right. Um, I don't know if this, the end of this film where they, they watch the green ray together is meant to be necessarily a subversion on that or kind of another way of making a similar ish point. Um, but uh, yeah, I thought that would be important to bring up as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I'm I'm super glad you brought that up because I hadn't read the Green Ray, and that's a really interesting nuance to add to that. Um, yeah, to, to answer your question, Jason, I really liked it as sort of um, an extension of the um, personal superstition that you had brought up before. I like the particularities of the Green Ray really make a lot of sense for her. Green is her color. Green is. The green ray is something that you it's supposed to be always there, right? But it, it, you can only see it at certain times. It's it's actually just a manifestation of the way the light bends, and so you just have to be there at the right moment in the right place. And finally, you can understand it's supposed to be able to help you understand yourself and other people. Um, and so, it, for her, it's sort of like to me, at least, it, it represented the um, the way out of her. Her interior sort of labyrinth, right? Where it was like this, this place that her own emotions and her own, um, psychoses, uh, sort of prevented her from connecting with anybody. It kept her trapped inside herself. There's this idea that, as, as Cody said, it, it, it goes until it doesn't, right? Where like she would be able to navigate herself out of that. And I think that, um, that's what the green ray represented to her, and that's why she wanted to see it so desperately. Is this idea that like it's a page turning in her life? Um, and I, it was funny because I had like the exact opposite reaction to this that I did to say anything. Right? We're like in say anything. You know, I'm I'm hashtag uh, no ding. I'm one of those psychopaths. Um, Team no ding, baby. Right. But, but here I was, I was thinking to myself, like, if they don't let me see the green ray, like if, if the movie cuts because I was pretty sure it was going to cut before the green ray, I would just have been shattered. Right. Like I, I wouldn't have been able to be on this podcast. Um, And so I was so happy to see that she saw it. Right. Um, And I, I think that to answer your sort of um question about the, the symbolism behind that, I don't know. Right. But I, I almost wonder if it's like, just, just like the irony of the proverb that I spoke about earlier, the, the sort of ideas that like, it's actually, it's, it's great that you find the real green ray in, in another person, right? Or that you don't need to see something like that because you can find it in another person, but you have to be ready, right? Like you have to be seeking the green ray. You have to be like, you have to be in that place where you're able to accept and look for love, um, for yourself and for somebody else. Um, and so like, it's, I really, really like the ending also.
2: Yeah, I think that this is tying into my final thoughts about the movie, which I'm going to usher us into. Um, uh, just like, you know, random straight thoughts. There was <laughs> the choices that Duffin makes in like, what superstitions she chooses to believe and what she doesn't. She sort of has that conversation um, earlier, excuse me, some along the line in, in the movie with friends about like, she doesn't broadly believe in superstition, but she believes in su- personal superstitions, how there's like, you know, certain aspects of it that she's going to cherry pick. And that to me is like, maybe Aaron playing into the whole, like, you know, the way that, the way that it's going to manifest for her is not the way that like, traditionally it would she's not going to miss the green ray by staring in the eyes of you know the one she loves she's going to see the green ray she's going to see it through she's got this sort of like slapdash understanding of it that's going to like that she's going to make use of as you know in her life as appropriate um and that made me think of uh when she's walking down i think she's still in paris she's walking down the street and she's just you know sort of feeling forlorn she's feeling these feelings that she's had it's probably 20 minutes to the movie or so and she sees a poster that says rediscover contact with yourself and others and she just like <laughs> walks away from it like it's a it's a literally the biggest red it's a green sign incidentally but it's the biggest red flag is like hey you are feeling this way there's something that can fix they can help you fix this there's like commercialized or not it's a thing and she just passes it up entirely like she's she makes an active choice to avoid it. Right. And then the rest of the movie plays out and it's like, you know, somewhere along the line, maybe if she had chosen to absorb this into her personal superstitions, then she would have like reached a snake oil, self-help type group. But like it, I think it's telling in that it was a decision she made to walk away from it. That's like final thoughts, last scraps type thing. But uh, anybody else got anything on that?
1: Oh, I just wanted to go off of what you were saying. Cause I really, really like that characterization and especially sort of in the, um, in the, lens of the feminism of this movie, I really love the idea that it's like, it's very much her own terms, right? And I I think that that it does a really great job of reconciling with and sort of earning all of the turmoil and suffering that brought her here. Right. It's, it's like, it's not ever going to be a traditional love story for her. It's not ever really going to be, She's not ever going to become the thing she once so desperately wanted to be, right? She is only ever going to be herself. the The difference is that she is learning to be okay with with that, with that journey and that version of of herself, right? And it's it's more about like the the sort of truce, or maybe a better. It's not a truce; it's like a stalemate with yourself that you reach that lets you get to that place, right? Where it's like you you want something different, maybe, and it's been torturing you all of this time, and you give a little, and you push a little, and you end up in this place where you can be you can be who you are finally, right? Um, and I think that that's a really good way to characterize that.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Anybody else with any final thoughts, scraps type thing? Any funny? Uh, you know, you want to make, make fun of the French one last time, Aaron?
0: No, I mean, I don't. I'm not going to make fun of them because I'm I'm moving to France and I will be taking a two month vacation. So you 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 know, God damn. I'll, take a break, you know, uh, I'll be back.
1: I will say that this is, I, I hate to come to the defense of the French, right? But this is what happens with coward countries who didn't once behead every rich person in their country. Like they, they really earned this vacation during the French revolution, right? Like that's a hundred percent why they do this now is because all of those, those people who are like, well, you can't have your vacations. They're dead now because the workers killed them. So, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe, uh, if we want vacations, you know, you, you see what I'm saying.
0: Uh, I, I dropped this out of my very, very lengthy lengthy intro uh, uh, at the beginning, but uh, they had to change around a bunch of COVID policies. Uh, like, for for example, you, uh, I think they had this in the United States as well. Maybe it's changed or not. But it, in France, they used to have it where if you get a uh, your first jab somewhere, you need to get your second jab in the same area. And they had to change that because it was coinciding with vacation time. Uh, and too many people were like, I am going to be in the Alps. So they had to like, they had to say, they had to like change the law to like allow for people getting a jab and then going on vacation and getting their second jab because like they would have, they would have like rioted if they didn't do that. So shout out to well, the I mean, French had, for just like blowing shit up whenever they don't, you know, yes, that is the secret. that's like, great. Yeah, it's great.
1: It's, it's the reason France has great vacation time is because French workers will go on strike in a fucking minute. So like maybe something learn from the French. Maybe something
2: to learn from the French. Um, you know what I learned? Uh, I finally saw the, the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, and I don't even need to watch the movie because there are umbrellas, and somebody's in Cherbourg at one point in this movie. Um, that is my just li- s- thank you. Just just a little more, um, <coughs> just a little more French humor for you there. Uh, I, I, I I like to take my take my time with that. Um, been boiling for a while, but you know what? Isn't boiling? It's simmering. I'm sure Cody's been sitting on it for a little while. It's the
1: li- final segment of our podcast, um, which I'm going to let. Harry help us ring in yes thank you I was startled by you you saying my name but I now remember what this segment is it's my favorite segment of the podcast it's the podcast we like segment that we like to call
2: (gasps) I don't care if that recorded well it sounded perfect on my end Nice.
3: Um, the umbrellas of Sherborg uh, rules, by the way, everybody should watch that, but thank you gentlemen, as always for that, uh, that luminescent introduction. Uh, we're going to do some trilibs today. Uh, and for those listening who aren't aware or can't guess by the, um, that, uh, astounding wordplay is, um, Uh, it's our attempt at sort of recreating the world famous game known as Mad Libs, where you take, take a story, uh, fill in the blanks with various parts of speech. And by the end of it, you have a a fun little yarn to share with your, your friends and family. And so what I've done is I've created a story and I've actually, in addition to pulling things from the movie that we just talked about today. I figured, um, what the hey, let's pull from all of the Romer films that we've talked about in this series. So this is uh, a bit of a grab bag, uh, uh, sort of the Romer's greatest hits. Um, and so we'll, we'll see things uh, pull from uh, a few different movies. Um, and what I'll do is I'll ask the fellas in the order of Harry, Aaron and Jason, uh, sort of a randomly generated order, and then repeating on a loop to fill in the blanks with some things, they won't know what those things are being pointed to or where those will fit into the story. And by the end of it, We'll have a little tale to share with everybody. And so without further ado, starting with Harry. Harry, from you, could I please get a name? Ooh, Jacques. (sighs) Jacques juck, and spoilers. This is going to fill into a lot of blanks. So I'm going to make sure this replaces across the board and we are good to go. Thank you. But I you. pick a Remember harder to
1: pronounce computer. French name.
3: I mean, you, we went monosyllabic, which I'm very thankful for. Um, so we can we can keep as, or I, I guess I should say, we already etched it in concrete. Even if you wanted to change it, um, we can't. Uh, it's it's set in stone. Uh, moving along to Aaron. Uh, Aaron, could I please get from you uh, a season, one of the four, you know, traditional seasons going summer, of the year?
1: Going summer, the classic number. You know Let's it. Let's go, summer gang. Hashtag summer, summer. gang.
3: Hashtag summer gang. Um, hashtag uh, Jason, you're up next. Can you please get me uh, a name? Uh, of any particular gender? Uh, nope. Any any you would like. Melanie. I thought you were going
1: to stop at melon,
2: and I was going to say, Jason, I mean, that is a have you ever, Cody, did you know anybody named melon?
1: Isn't one of Gwyneth uh, Paltrow's kids named melon?
3: I, or I thought I thought they were named Goop, or is that her? Product? <laughs> I think it's just maybe it's Apple. It's a fruit. Sorry, of it's some first kind. and
2: middle name. It's Melon Goop Paltrow. Sure. <laughs> Shout out to Melon Goop. Come on the pod.
3: Uh, heading back to
1: Harry. Harry, um, from you, could I please get uh, an occupation? Um, demolitions expert. Demolitions expert. I don't know why I included it. To be the first time I'm going with demolitions expert.
3: Nice. You said it three times, so they will be summoned and they should be with you shortly. I, I think that's how that works. Uh, Aaron, from you, could I please get the name of a country?
0: Oh, uh, Argentina.
3: Keith. thought you were going to say Transylvania, but Argentina is. I thought about it, but not want a,
1: want a, to read a, read a That is not a country. It is a part of a country. Oh, Excuse it's not. Me, that Great be, point. Be, that would not be correct, Cody. Transylvania is not a country, it's a region
3: Borrowing from Jason, thank you for laying that joke out on the the middle school biology table So that we could pick it apart uh, Listen, I think we
1: all just have to be very clear about how much we know about Transylvania from now on Don't stop dissections
0: in middle school That seems way too early Dude,
1: I did a fetal pig dissection in like 7th grade Sick Jesus
0: Christ Dang
1: I I mean, yeah, sick, but too early Yeah, sick Also sick Um, Also,
3: Jason, it's your turn Could I please get from you a verb? Flay, beautiful. Um, periodically checking so often to make sure I don't skip any, because that would be very embarrassing. All right, back to Harry. Um, Harry, could I please get the name of a previous Try Love guest? Let's go with
1: Nick Grossman. E- Woo!
3: Nick Grossman. Um, Aaron, an emotion, if you please. Oh, how about Ennui? You say Ennui? Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, moving right along here. Do-do-do-do-do. Uh, All right. Uh, Jason, from you, could I please get uh, the name of a different former Try Love guest?
2: Benjamin Savard. Come on, guys. Why bring bring, it, bring okay. it in. There we go. Yeah, thank you. Howlin'
3: for Ben? Did you say Ben or Benjamin? I want to make sure I get it right. I
2: did say Benjamin. I would accept Ben, but uh, colloquially, it's up to you. That's fair. I think
3: I gotta. We got. We gotta do the the full Monty on this one, which I know means something different in the movie. Uh, the full Monty. Um, but more on that later. Uh, just kidding. No, uh, Harry. Uh, an occupation from you again, please. Another
1: occupation, huh? Yeah. Let's see. um, Professional glass integrity inspector. Hmm. Integrity. It's OSHA. That's like almost
3: what um, James Stewart's brother gets a job as in It's a Wonderful Life. Um, Or he works at a glass factory. Maybe he worked as a glass integrity inspector. You know what? Who's to say? Did he fall into uh, a lens
1: factory and making it a spectacle of himself?
3: Where's that, uh, that badoom thing? The, the <coughs> Thank you. Uh, Aaron, back to you. Uh, could I please get from you a- an activity?
0: Oh, uh, uh... Sewer cleaning.
1: That could be an activity how, or how an how occupation.
0: <laughs> that, you're could not be. wrong. Uh, uh,
2: Jason, a type of event, a, um, Oh, what's the word? It's like, it's like a par- French word for party. Not, not a soiree. Sorry. What? Oh man. I'll just say soiree. Cause I can't think of it.
3: Fiesta. Okay. We can do soiree. Um, very nice. Let's see. Back to Harry. Uh, Harry, can I please get from you a skill?
1: Basket weaving. Also, Jason, I would say that if you are looking for the French word for party, you could just say "any day of their lives" in in yeah. French. Apparently, <laughs> Two months out of the year. <laughs>
3: <ancient>. <laughs> oh man, this is hurting my soul. Uh, in good ways and bad. Uh, Aaron, it's yeah, yeah. It's over to Aaron now. Uh, Aaron, could I please get from you the name of a fictional character? Uh.
0: uh... That's okay, I thought of um, I This uh, Gandalf. Go Gandalf. A, a very offensive joke I thought of.
3: Nice. Um, Shout-outs to Gandalf the Grey and Gandalf the White. Uh, Monty d- Python d- d- uh, and Jason the Holy and... Grail's Black Knight? I'm, I'm Survey sorry. says... Hey, that's okay. Um, but an adjective would be
2: very, very helpful. Yeah. Uh, D- dissolved, does that work? Like yeah. contextually, I want to make sure it works yeah. with your with your ad lib.
3: Yeah, yeah, it, that that you know what that'll do just fine. Thank you, uh, did you Harry. Can I get from dissolved man? Oh, sorry, <laughs> Cody. Go ahead. That, no, that's okay. Um, wow, did you? I, I didn't think I shared this with you in advance. Um, could I get from you, Harry, a a location, and you can take that to mean whatever you would like. Transylvania. Is Transylvania technically a location? Can we get a ruling on that? Yes. Oh, okay. Of course it is, Cody. There's been some confusion in the past. Uh, Aaron, an emotion.
0: A different emotion than the one I said before.
3: (laughs) Uh, It can be the.
0: It it can be the same, but uh, if you would like it to be different, (laughs) that's cool too. Stretch
1: an Aaron tonight.
0: Uh, I'll go with uh, you know happiness.
1: Boo. Athens. Boring, worst emotion. That's I disagree we'll, personally. Yeah. Um
3: we'll debate that off, Mike. Uh let's see. Jason, a travel destination,
2: please. Athens, Greece.
1: Athens. Gee, how'd you come up with that one? <laughs> uh
2: yeah, Jason, how did you come up with that one? Oh, you know, uh ever since I was a child, I've just had this like strong spiritual connection uh to the place. Um does is that enough uh is that enough time wasting? Yeah,
3: no, that works. Um yeah, yeah screw it. We we can keep <laughs> going uh, a little bit longer with this. Uh I, we are nearly to the end. Um I believe Harry, uh could I get from you a travel destination?
1: Travel destination, huh? Yeah. Um let's go with Reykjavik, Iceland. Reykjavik,
3: Iceland. You know what? I'm just going to sound it out. Uh, Aaron, could I get from you a travel destination? Uh,
0: Croatia.
3: Beautiful. Uh, Jason, a verb. Um, squat nice uh harry the name of a famous person dennis hopper interesting but solid choice uh aaron an adjective
0: uh sloppy
3: hell yeah you dog Uh, yeah uh uh, jason the
2: name of yet another former try love guest oh man i have to think of more uh Sarah bay huskin (sighs) From our episode on oh, Son, of the, oh, Son, of, oh. Son of the White Mare, baby Son of the White Mare, man uh, uh, uh,
3: Son of the White Mare, by the way A heavy contender for last year's Golden Berries which Also, hey, uh,
1: in episode High Point, that's one of my favorite episodes it, of is, the show. it is, that poster is
2: still staring down at me right now
0: I noticed I wasn't on that episode uh, Maybe that has it Reflects pretty poorly uh, on you Doesn't it, Aaron? I know <laughs> Uh, uh,
3: speaking of reflecting poorly or not poorly, this final entry, uh, the honor goes to Harry. Harry, I'm going to need for you, from you, uh, you know what it is, the name of a movie. The
1: American Friend, starring Dennis Hopper. Starring Dennis Hopper. Excellent.
3: Um, I'm going to do a quick review. Um, and actually, this may take a few moments because I may have done some control. uh so- well, I was gonna say. Well, I, I was gonna ask how how y'all felt uh, about your picks. What are what are your initial reactions? Just so somebody else can talk while I think silently. This in is the like backdrop.
1: MTV interviews at like before the <laughs> red carpet. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. A lot of a lot of great people tonight. I, uh, a lot really excited. <laughs> I, I
0: did think of a, a bit that I'm not going to do because I don't think I'd be able to sell it and it'd be kind of insufferable pretending I won Cody's Noties after a game of Tri-Libs.
1: <laughs>
0: it would <laughs> Honestly, be, very be funny. a pretty
1: good bit. That's a pretty good bit. It That's would, but
0: like you think of the practicalities of how to sell it and it's like, ah, that'd be kind of hard. Aaron,
2: Aaron, why did you pick Croatia?
0: Uh, I, No, uh, Diana and I have been talking about going, diana has been to uh, Dubrovnik and uh, it's real beautiful there, Uh, real nice. So boy, we're probably going to go someday nice also it's cheap sure. it's a it's a great like cheap it's the it's the so it's the place where they they chat all the stuff for king's landing on uh, game of thrones and it, it just looks like that Ooh. Uh, yeah that and uh uh most in bosnia are like two areas we talk about quite a bit so
3: hell yeah uh fascinating and also very uh sufficient vamping thanks crew you um, want to go to I bosnia think- on vacation?
0: Literally google a picture of Mostar right now. Just google Mostar and just look at pictures of Mostar. It is No, I mean I know like, it's a
1: beautiful place. It's a very beautiful place. Yeah,
0: it's great. But supposedly it's a very nice place to visit.
1: Supposedly. Allegedly.
3: It looks allegedly. like, it looks uh, like uh,
2: the, okay. the elf the elf city from uh, Lord of the Rings.
0: Yeah, dude, it's a fucking fairy tale there. It's great. Except for you know, fairy N- tales have some dark stuff in it every once no, in a while as well. Nothing, uh,
2: uh, <laughs> nothing hurts about this, Govina. Thank you. Hmm. Uh,
0: you know what might
3: have some dark stuff in it is this uh, this little Romarian inspired tale, um, which uh, I, I think we're good to go. Let's let's see how this pans out. So, um, ladies and germs, we have uh, Trilib's Romarian grab bag. That's what we'll go with. <clears throat> Jacques has had quite the summer. It all started when Jacques grew suspicious of their partner, Melanie, seeing someone behind their back. Uh, This other person was suspected to be a demolitions expert uh, who was leaving soon for Argentina. Jacques tried to find out more about this person by flaying them one afternoon. Yikes. Uh, And it was discovered this person was named Nick Grossman. Uh, (laughs) Confused and ennui, Jacques turned to the friends for support. Uh, Jacques began to hang out more with Benjamin Savard. a a new friend working nearby as a professional glass integrity inspector. They did everything together from sewer cleaning to attending soirees. Jacques even taught Benjamin Savard how to basket weave. It wasn't long, however, before Jacques began to develop feelings for Benjamin Savard's partner, Gandalf. It got so dissolved that during a weekend... Yeah, that during a weekend alone, Jacques and Gandalf almost made love in Transylvania. Uh, happy and, and feeling as isolated as ever, Jacques decided that it was time to go on vacation. Uh, the destination changed uh, every few days as Jacques found himself going uh, from Athens, Greece, to Reykjavik, Iceland, and then finally to Croatia. Jacques tried squatting alone and they tried throwing themselves into the written works of Dennis Hopper, but nothing could cure them, uh, of their restlessness. Uh, toward the end of their holiday, Jacques sat waiting in a train station when a sloppy yet handsome individual caught their eye. They introduced themselves as Sarah Huiskin. Um, apologies on pronunciation. I think now that that might've come out weird. Um, sorry, Sarah, Shoutouts to Sarah's and, uh, uh, Sarah, uh, Well, uh, yeah, Sarah asked if Jacques would want to spend a few days together, and Jacques agreed, uh, and the two departed to their weekend getaway, uh, a time assuredly filled with sunsets, with viewings of The American Friend starring Dennis Hopper, and a continued quest to soothe inner turmoil. The end.
0: Woo! Jacques flayed my brother? It's fiction. Yeah, rest uh, in
1: peace uh, to Nick. Jock, uh, you
0: bastard. I'm coming Jacques for Jock is
1: different, you know?
0: I'm going to pay you back
1: for what you did.
2: We should have a running, like, metafiction of Cody's Noty's Trilibs just like pretending they're all in the same universe. Guys, we can hey, make I mean, an MCU. That, that's
1: all on us, right? We could insert Jacques back into a story in the future. So stay tuned, avid listeners. He's you might back. see the return of Jacques. And maybe we'll resurrect Nick if we need a heel. Um, thank you so much, Cody, for
2: another rousing edition of Cody's Noties. Uh, and thank you for helping us send out uh, the Eric Romer series at the trial on. dear listeners. Uh, if you made it this far, uh, we would encourage you again to uh, go to the trial on once in a while. Um, things are probably going to get tougher to do as the Omicron variant of the COVID nine novel coronavirus uh, begins to uh, dominate um, the disease landscape here in Minnesota. But Hey, uh, be there if it's, if you, if you can, if it's comfortable and if it's open, Uh go find, uh, tickets to showings like of movies like possession is playing uh, in the near future just uh, on the eve of the new year and then they've got some really cool series lined up for next year as well and even if you can't make it uh, go to trylon.org and find cool ways to support them by uh, joining the try club or buying merch uh, just you know uh, get out and support local theater uh, even if yours isn't the Trylon. Uh, in the meantime keep your ears tuned to try love this literal roundtable podcast hosted by myself and my four friends here. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Try Love Podcast. My name is Jason Daphnis, and you can find just me, just little old me, on Twitter at Uh, Thanks, everyone. Quick plugs for some Romer,
3: Romare, uh films that are not playing in the Trial End series, but especially if you're not feeling compelled to go out to a theater. Um, shouting out My Night at Mods. Uh, that's another one of his, I think, more well-known works and it has the benefit of being one of the few that's found um on one or more uh sort of generally widely available streaming services i believe it's on hbo max and the criterion channel um functions a little bit differently i won't say too much about it but functions a little bit differently from the films we've been talking about this series because it almost provides like a an informal sort of thesis or maybe hypothesis rather up front. And then the rest of the movie, we you can sort of watch things play out and, and fit into that thesis um, a little bit more Um, really great. uh, Very much my shit. Um, And actually just prior to this recording, I watched a summer's tale, um, which uh, I'll say even less about this, but it might be my favorite Romer film um, uh, up up to now. Um, It is, Found in, uh, well, I, I think if you have Prime, there's this Fandor add-on that's either th- like 3 or $5 a month. That is, I think, literally the only way to watch it outside of um, uh, other illicit means. But hey, do what you will. Theft is good, actually, et
1: cetera. It is better um, to steal than to provide uh, resources to Amazon.
3: Yes, 100%. Um, come and get me bezos yeah fuck um but thanks for listening i've been cody Narvison. you can find me on twitter at cody underscore bh
1: yeah quick shout out to to john for absolutely going off and starting the next year with possession just a real you crazy for this one john uh decision but i love it i'm really really looking forward to that showing and to the episode we're going to do on it um but until then i've been well We're probably going to have a couple episodes between now and then, but you understand what I'm saying rhetorically. Uh, I'm Harry Mackin, and you can find me on Twitter at Shiitake Harry. Bye. And I'm
0: Aaron. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the annual Golden Berries coming up. I think we're going to have a real good episode, so stay tuned for that and for next year Um, and for me winning – more Cody's noties uh, look forward to more competitions with these folks in the future. So uh, yeah, uh, my name is Aaron. You can find me on Twitter at ArbyPlease. please.
3: I have finished. I finished it. And as someone who does not like Vern, I found the green ray quite extraordinary because it's a love story. It's a romance. And because there are characters who are, who are searching for something.